0: Zach, I was thinking today, you know, oh, I was what? out, I was out running on the trail eight for eight miles, you know, this pretty easy, just jog, you know, all right, all right, evening. okay, continue. <laughs> but I, I was thinking, um, a lot of times when, when we watch movies in groups or, or people watch movies together, you, you're always trying to figure out what's going to happen, you know, like you're, you're like, you're trying to think ahead. But my question is is that robbing yourself of the joy of the twists and turns that come in the movie? Like, should you be trying to anticipate what happens? Or should you be actively naive in movie watching? Like, should you be... Because some people are just so dumb that they're, they're not going to know what's going to happen anyway. But those are the people who probably end up enjoying movies the most.
1: <laughs> Because they're not all wrapped up in whether or not they guess everything correctly. Yeah, I'd say it's probably a give and take because you lose the joy of the surprise, but you gain the joy of knowing that you're right and better than everyone else. (laughs) So it's a give and take, I guess, is our conclusion. If you're like
0: me and you can't and you're not smart enough to figure out what happens before it happens... Then you can be happy that you get you you get to be surprised by things. But if you're like Zach and you already know everything before it actually happens in the movie, or you already can quote lines before they even come out of characters' mouths, that
1: happened twice in this movie.
0: <laughs> then uh, I guess you can have a certain level of satisfaction in that, even though I wasn't
1: satisfied.
0: Yeah, I. I but then I guess maybe you can never be satisfied. And maybe that's the point of the movie that we watched. Hi, I'm Ben Stanhope. And I'm Zach hollow Leewald. And we reviewed No Country for Old Men, a 2007 movie written and directed by none other than Joel and Ethan Cohen, legends, stalwarts of the movie industry at this point. Stalwarts? Yeah, I, I awesome. don't know. That just sounds like a cool word. Yeah. And they made it on a uh, mere $25 million budget, but made $171.6 million. With a Rotten Tomato score of ninety three percent, they also won, I believe, four Academy Awards and were nominated for eight. Wow! Um, So, uh, they definitely brought home the hardware as uh, for this movie. You know, I guess people liked uh, they they thought that maybe there should be a country for old men after watching the movie. Speaking
1: of that, this movie is no movie for faint-hearted men.
0: Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Graphic. Violence, yeah. Uh, their viewer discretion advised. You know,
1: in terms of violence, at least there were. I mean, it all was integral to yes. the plot, of course. Integral it wasn't un. I'm not gonna say unnecessary, but it wasn't.
0: All violence is necessary in movies. At least that's what American directors tell us. Yeah, saw. It's all for the. Yeah, there's there's a deep philosophical point down there underneath all that blood and gore. That you just don't understand if you're not digging enough. You're just too wrapped up in the surface level of things. But uh, okay, so <laughs> <laughs> Bosh, watch or top notch? Then well, uh, <coughs> I know what you're gonna say, but I'm gonna say watch. I'm gonna say top notch. Yeah, because I that. this is one of the only uh, 16 movies that I've given a five out of five on Letterboxd, too. So I feel like that that dessert, like. I wouldn't be consistent with my own, you know, ratings if yeah. I
1: if I didn't say that it deserved a top notch. But Ben, tell us why this is in your top. Because if it's in Ben's top, then sure, it's very artsy, very good, blah blah blah, very well crafted movie. I think the the reason that this movie uh,
0: stuck with me so much over the last you know couple months since I watched it for the first time, is because of all all of the things that leaves you to think about. But I think in order to fully, you know, kind of discuss uh, what I'm talking about, we have to go through the plot for a little bit. And uh, spoilers, as always, we never give spoiler warnings, but I'm starting now to give spoiler warnings because, you know, for some reason, some people might assume that a movie review podcast is trying to review an entire movie in like an hour without
1: spoiling anything. It's like when you go to McDonald's and you get a coffee and it says caution hot.
0: Yeah, or like when you go to McDonald's and you expect for the ice cream machine to be working. Like it's sort of like those <laughs> That's things. so true. Oh. So uh anyway, we're uh there's I want a, McDonald's ice cream. This movie starts uh with a couple people being brutally murdered. Uh no no big deal by this guy named Anton Chigurh who is played by a uh, very disheveled looking Javier Berdam. And uh yeah, he he essentially just kills Kills, you know, a couple of folks. And uh, and then he moves on. We meet a character named Llewellyn, who is uh, out hunting some antelope when he happens upon... And what a name, Llewellyn. Yeah. And this is a male character, by the mm-hmm. way. And uh, he finds some money that has been uh, at, at the scene or close to the scene of a, a shootout between some drug runners, some members of the cartel from Mexico. And most of them are dead except for one guy. And this one guy is asking for water, but he ignores him for a little bit. And then he goes and finds the money a little ways away with another dead guy. And then he takes it back to his house, hides his guns, and tells his wife to not worry about it. Carla Jean. Carla Jane. Uh, mm. Yeah, she, he tells her, yeah, don't worry about what I've been doing. You know, well, it's, it's fine. It's all good. Then he feels guilty in the middle of the night. First mistake. Yeah. Never feel guilty. You Never know?
1: help people. I said that before he even did anything. I said, look... This is a good beginning of the movie. He got the money, it's safe, everything. But then he goes, wakes up in the middle of the night, tries to get the water for the guy that was dying. And I was like, as he was walking and filling that water, I said to Ben and David, I said, this is why you don't help people. He's probably going to stir a bunch of events that's going to get him in trouble, possibly killed, and have a wacky adventure, you know? Yeah, so by the time he
0: gets out there, the guy's dead. There's other people from the um, cartel who are scoping out the scene and they see him and they try to kill him. He escapes to the river where he's chased by a dog, and the dog gets, um, you know, shot.
1: So good, We can good, talk about people dying pretty easily, but when it comes to a dog, we struggle.
0: Yeah, we are sorry for any viewers who are shocked and, you know, in, in a state of shock because an animal died, yeah. and we're very sorry. Um, no animals were hurt
1: in this actual but the, film.
0: If, if it makes you feel any better, this was a, a dog that was on the bad guy's side, so yeah, it was, it was a, a bad dog. Bad dog. Yeah, and it was trying to kill him, too, so he was doing it out of self-defense. Oh, they don't care about that. Uh, probably not, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, so then, then he he realizes that um, they're going to be able to figure out, you know, from his truck and everything, wh- uh, who he is. And and so he's going to have to find a way to, to escape. So um, he sends his wife to his mother-in-law's, and then he heads up for a motel. Meanwhile, Anton Shagur is tracking trying to track him down, shoots some other people some of the, the he shoots the people who are hiring him to track the guy uh, to track Llewellyn and he tracks him himself then we're in, introduced to uh, Ed Tom Bell who's the sheriff of the area and he's played by Tommy Lee Jones and he's having to you know figure out what's going on with this case and he pretty quickly figures out that Llewellyn is has the money and um, that sugar is um, after him but interestingly enough he doesn't After the initial scope of the scene, he spends a lot of time talking about the crimes and stuff, but he doesn't do a lot of action. Yeah, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of active doing things apart from the initial you know scouting out. He has a deputy with him who I think does some of the grunt work, Uh, but then after that we see uh, the face off between Shiger and and uh, Llewellyn, which takes a while. There's a couple of different hotel stops, a dramatic sequence in which uh, Llewellyn. It puts the the money in one vent in one motel room and then tricks sugar into thinking it's in that motel room so he can pull it from the motel room that's on the other side and get away which works and ends up with three more people dead in the other motel room because it's been re-rented and and then uh there's a shoot, shootout in El Paso in which both uh both sugar and Llewellyn are shot by each other, but not lethally. So they both um, get assistance, and this is the and then the introduction of Woody Harrelson's character, who I kind of forget what his name is, because he is not alive for very long.
1: I forgot he was in this movie.
0: Yeah, his his parts like he starts. He's very confident, and then <clears throat> loses then right away. He talks. He talks to. Uh, it, it, interestingly enough. He has the opportunity, Carson Wells is his name, he has the opportunity to get the money, and he doesn't, which is confusing. But I guess it's because he's trying to get rid of, his main job is to get rid of Shagur, which he seems very confident about, but he ends up in a situation where he is unarmed, and Shagur confronts him, and then he's basically, you know,
1: under Shagur's thumb. I know this is putting the cart before the horse, but I think he did that because he wanted leverage to know where the money is. For because he thought yeah. that he would anton would want to know where it is the thing is you as uh i don't actually haven't said it but like anton he just doesn't care he doesn't care as much about where that mo- money is he's not he, actually going I, for that i don't think he even really cares about the money yeah so that's the mistake
0: that carson wells makes is that he assumes that sugar has some interest in the money another mistake is how could he prove that he knew where it was right yeah so. i guess so i guess you know if i i guess he would just take him there and and then he could get it, but even then he has to know that Shiger. Even if he took Shiger to the money, there's a good chance that Shiger would still kill him after he got the money. So I don't, I don't know whether Wells had thought through the strategy of dealing with somebody who's on such a. He seemed to have an understanding that Shiger was different from 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 everyone else in the way that he handled things, in his motives, in his principles. Like Shiger yeah. is a principled person, but in a uh, twisted way. Like, a twisted sort of principle. Isn't that what
1: he says? Something like that.
0: Yeah. And uh, after this happens, then Llewellyn uh, finally gets, you know, it's the end of the line for him. He he, Shagur uh, talks to him on the phone and says, if you just bring me the money, your wife won't die. You'll probably die, but your <laughs> wife won't. And he says, screw you. And he goes to this, you know, hotel, and Shagur. Well, sugar doesn't even find him. That's the the thing. The other Mexican cartel members figure out that uh, that some of the the family members are going to El Paso, and they figure out where Llewellyn is, and so they kill him before sugar even gets there. Although sugar is at the crime scene, that that was sort of a weird scene when Ed Tom Bell is a little is like literally seconds too late to the, the scene of Llewellyn's death and so he he sees the he is sort of there for the aftermath. And then he goes to the crime scene and we see like sugar in the hotel room as Ed Tom Bell's opening the door, but then he opens it and walks in and nothing happens. So I'm not sure what's supposed to be
1: implied by that scene. Like Sometimes things don't happen. It's a random so, universe. So was sugar even there? Th- that's what I don't know. I mean but it showed him hiding. Yeah, but so he's probably there. Yeah. I mean I, I mean I suppose so. Yeah. Um I mean like theoretically it didn't show them interact so he could have been somewhere else, but I don't know. I feel like that's a stretch that he wasn't there. Yeah. Huh. Huh. But anyway, I wanted to say so Ben you you quoted this guy as as Anton as being like the agent of chaos, kind of comparing yeah. him to the agent of chaos in The Dark Knight. Right. Right. Although I will say this movie was before the Dark Knight yes. by a year. Another connection, though. The role of L- L- Llewellyn was originally offered to Heath Ledger, which is crazy. Yeah.
0: And uh, Josh Brolin, who played, who played, who eventually played Llewellyn, he actually needed the help of none other than Quentin Tarantino. And
1: Robert Rodriguez, don't forget. Yeah, him. Robert
0: Rodriguez. You know, of uh, Robert Rodriguez is the guy who did the. He's like more a horror movie guy, right, or something. Oh, uh, I don't know. He did, so when uh, Tarantino did Death Proof, which is the only one I haven't seen, he did the other movie that was in that series. He did Spy Kids. Spy, oh Yes, I already like him. (laughs) Oh, he did From Dusk Till Dawn, which um, Quentin Tarantino acts in. So obviously very good friends. I don't know where their connection to Josh Brolin
1: is, because I don't (laughs) know that Josh Brolin has ever been in a Quentin Tarantino movie. I don't know. I don't know. He used the time stone, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I imagined a post-credit scene of this movie where Josh Brolin comes and gets the Infinity Stones and I just can't see him as anything else. That's just me. I I I honestly can't see him as Thanos
0: because he obviously doesn't look like Thanos. No, case.
1: but like it's just I don't know. His voice even.
0: Yeah, his vo- even with an accent.
1: Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, cuz he does
0: play Thanos. It's just breathy. And I guess so. Yeah. I guess you're right. Yeah. Um but the ending of the movie is, you know, pretty unsatisfactory we we see a, a um Chigurh confronts the wife of llewellyn whose name is carla jean as i mentioned earlier and uh she's she's like you don't have to do this and he's like everybody says that and then she's she says the only line that really shakes him or even phases him for like a second you can see it in his his reaction because he says you know flip a coin I'm gonna flip a coin. So presumably, you know, if she picks the right side, then, then you know, she'll live. He's trying to lift off
1: the guilt of off of his own shoulders.
0: But she says, like to him, "There's no coin. There's just you." Which w- the viewers should know. But we're seeing, we're seeing the the actions through the eyes of Shiger's, um, you know, sort of jaded sense of principle. So like the whole reason he's even killing her is because he said he made a promise to Llewellyn that he would kill her if he didn't bring the money. And she didn't even believe him. And, but the thing is, the way he worded it was sort of deceptive and sort of suited his own view of, ha- of what happened. Because he didn't give, you know, he, he wasn't necessarily it. in the position of authority to be making those sort of sorts of... And, and it wasn't agreed upon in the sense that he was saying it. He was saying, this is your only option that I'm allowing you ag- to agree to. Rather than being, de- rather than it being like a contractual negotiation between two sides, so to put the guilt of his wife's death
1: on Llewellyn is unfair, because yeah, when you structure your your life around those types of principles, that like takes away the blame from you while you can still do those horrible things, but like and you put make the blame, them feel guilty for yeah,
0: it. Yeah, and you can put the blame on other people yeah. because it's nothing's because you're just the agent of of uh, you know death and destruction so it's not your fault because that's happening through you The other people are having to make decisions around you sort of
1: yeah so you like thank yourself outside of those things but really you you were born the same way everyone else was right and, and that's
0: and the, the, there could probably be a debate on whether how, how much we're supposed to believe that that uh sugar is real but i don't know there's not really enough it's not this movie isn't like a surrealist movie where it's like, oh, so this guy's an abstraction. I mean, you could argue that. I mean, certainly in a intellectual level of what the movie is trying to communicate, he's an abstraction of chaos. But on a physical level of the nature of the interaction of characters, he certainly seems like he's a human. Although they definitely like are like, some people refer to him as a ghost because he sort of just like comes and goes. And it feels like he's almost... And he knows everything. He's almost like limitless in terms of what his power is but at the end he gets in a car wreck at the end, and that's supposed to show oh there are some things that he can't plan out and know because and he is still at risk for like the f- for fate or or uh you know he does he doesn't control death in the se- or or control life in the sense that he might think he does um, and then we get this, like, dream at the end where Ed Tombell is talking about, like, his dad and the fire being lit. And I forget what the last line is, but it's something like it just sort of ends. And you're like, I don't even know what this dream is supposed to mean. And it might not be – there might be a lot of things that it's supposed to mean, but it's it sort of gives an ambiguous ending to a film that – starts out as one thing and then sort of shifts to being another thing in the middle yeah like right when the main character dies off screen yeah they don't even give you the pleasure of getting getting to see him die on screen you know you you would just have to be like oh he's unceremoniously dead you don't even see like you see his dead body like briefly but he's we, just gone. we don't even know who killed him yeah The person who killed him might have been somebody who was dead because there's a couple other people who are dead around the scene. So, I mean, there's just a lot of things that we don't know. Yeah, it could have been anyone, his wife. But I think it's safe to say that this movie is about how the world is no country for old men. Yeah. And Ed Tom Bell realizes that and he retires. Yeah. He talks to his brother about, you know, how how the world was the same in 1909, though. That's why they called it this. Yeah. I'm yeah. joking. That was a, that was a joke. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, but but uh it is it's kind of about that. It's it's about how like the tide the tide shifts and maybe the world is getting more evil. That's what was, kind of like, What was
1: the line that he said? He said it's I I I'm outmatched. Yeah, I'm outmatched. Yeah. I feel out, outmatched. So that's why he was retiring yeah, because he, he said that the sheriffs when he was younger or when his dad or whatever didn't even carry guns around and now they have to carry all these different things and There's even a gun, like a giant shotgun with a silencer these days, apparently in the 70s. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. And there's trackers and there's all all sorts of
0: different things that make it easier for people with with the bad motives who are evil to accomplish what they need to get done. But, uh, you know, usually the movie vault considers ourselves to be the utmost, you know, the foremost... uh, opinion on any movie and what we say is usually should be considered as the gold standard of what everyone else thinks but apparently there's some people who dare go against our thoughts like who and i'm actually like assuming that zach thinks fairly positively of this movie i mean i don't think he thinks as positively of this
1: movie as as i'd probably give a four star
0: yeah Yeah, but but, not a a 4.5. But not like Liz Hoggard from the London Evening Standard who says, The lack of respect for the body, the sheer bloody aftermath, depresses me. Yes, they may handle the killing with a verve and ironic tension, but this is a Coen Brothers film too far.
1: (gasps) They went too far with this They went
0: too far this time. Fargo was not too far. I know. But this was too far. I know. I guess Fargo had a little bit of humor to ease the the tension of all yeah making fun of
1: dead people is way better than just killing people right yeah because this
0: because unlike other coen brothers movies i feel like this movie is definitely a straight straight up drama there's not a lot of like scenes that are intended to make you laugh or anything or I did
1: laugh once. Actually, I did. The killings were kind of funny.
0: Yeah. Well, the, some of the killings were. The, the face he makes when he's like choking the guy to death is like.
1: <laughs> he looks really ridiculous. They Harvey did that on Brandeis. purpose. We're not psychopaths.
0: Yes. <laughs> yeah, they definitely did. And then Jonathan Romney from Independent on some Sunday, who's probably definitely related to Mitt Romney. Yeah, I think so. Um, he said, I can't help the feeling that this film is ultimately hollow. Which is a very broad statement, but I also feel like that is sort of one of the feelings that they're going for with this movie. A hollow movie, explain. Yeah. Like, they want you to feel like life is just, things happen and you can't control them. You life know? is
1: just a coin toss.
0: Yes, in a sense. Now, I don't necessarily agree, I don't agree that life is a coin toss, and, but I do agree, I think this is the side that I agree with, that you can't control life. Everywhere in life I go, I see people who are trying to control their lives, you know? They're trying to set up their world so that they can feel like they're the most in control. Obviously, narcissist people who tend to be more narcissistic, it's more obvious how they try to do it, but everyone in a sense uses different, you know, defense mechanisms and ways they relate to people and they might even subconsciously manipulate relationships and and things to feel like they're in more control of their destiny and and their life than they actually are. The truth is, we don't know what's going to happen to us tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen to us in the next minute. We don't know what's going to happen to us in the next year. We can't really plan. We plan like we know. Okay? See, I just hit
1: Ben. He didn't even know I was going to do that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I had no idea. So, so uh, uh like, this, this film allows you to be like, wow, life is so crazy unpredictable and and it's not like we can like it's not a problem that can be solved you know it's just how it is now now you can you can take it a step further and be nihilistic and be like there's no point in living because we can't control life but i disagree with that i i believe in in a in the divine you know presence of god the triune god specifically the triune god um and, and it's interesting there's a line where the the guy says i I thought that God would come into my life at some point, but he never did which is interesting because there were, I guess there's no you know action on on his part to to try to discover God but I guess if if God's the initial yeah mover and's definitely if Jesus that. is the initial mover in salvation anyway yeah uh, predestination and uh free destination versus free will debate incoming no I'm just kidding
1: <laughs> <laughs> this would be a three
0: hour <laughs> podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but uh um there there's a lot of interesting points in that regard as to uh, like how you sh- how you should view life and how you should live your life and and whether or not there's any truth to like the tides changing and like the world becoming more evil like th- is the world more evil now that people don't say man ma'am and sir or is it like we're just changing what kinds of evil we do
1: wait the ma'am and sir, what do you well,
0: mean? Well, because because he said after people stopped saying ma'am and sir, the oh. world went downhill. You know. I still say those. I know. I, so I still say them. So I guess you know, there's still some outposts. There's there's still some good people like me and Zach. No, I'm just kidding. No, we're still
1: we're we're still pretty bad. I'm not pretty good at all. I'm pretty bad. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, we're both we're both uh, pretty bad. Not great. You know. We're per- we're both pretty hollow. Like think movie. about your best like how, think about how you think uh, you the listener think about how you view me and Zach you probably think about us it, like oh you like movies you're we're horrible people that's what we want to tell you yeah you don't know what we do off cast yeah we're getting we're getting kind of introspective here yeah but <laughs> we haven't done anything as bad as Anton Sugar yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: That doesn't mean that doesn't mean we're not maybe maybe not maybe not we can never know. We can never know the next moment, Ben. That's true. <laughs> Who's to say that that none of, that we won't do something like that in the future? I mean, I don't know. This is not a threat for future people trying to sue me. Yeah, we're just being, uh, I don't know, silly. candid silly. and silly.
0: <laughs> we're being so silly. Yeah. Aren't we being silly talking about yeah. <laughs> serial serious As long killers. as nobody sues me.
1: <laughs> I'll say whatever you want off the cast, but as long as nobody sues me in the future. All but right.
0: If you're feeling kind of hollow about life, then you should at least consider getting insurance so you can feel a little bit better about some area of your life. So
1: That's if, the best <laughs> transition.
0: <laughs> if you want to get home and auto insurance for cheaper than most places, you should call Hedman Anglin agency. I, I would even say all places. They might be able to cut you the best deal in the area. Um, and you need to call them at 614-486-7300. That's 614-486-7300. And if you do contact them, make sure that you tell them Ben and Zach sent you. And and don't mention how depressed you are after we've had conversations about like how uh, little control you have over life. But you may have a slight control over investing money in... You don't know whether your house is going to burn yeah. down. Yeah. So you know that could happen in the next moment. Yeah, so that's, that's good. That's you have good. not a moment to lose to buy house insurance. Yeah, you, know? you might get or in a
1: car accident, which those are serious. You can happen. It happened to Anton, and you can get into a fist fight with a gorilla. You never know. You really never know.
0: Yeah. So now we're going on to uh, talk <laughs> about our 10, 10 point rating system. Which is uh, now just ten p- talking points. Ten talking points. Ten. Uh, welcome to our TED Talk. Ten talking points with Zach and Ben. <laughs> <laughs> we should do a TED Talk. That would be awesome. We just
1: have to get famous.
0: I I think all you have to do for a contribute. TED Talk is say something like really absurd as a hook, and then be like, um, "Well, that's how your sleep pattern is established," or something like that. You know, you just have to you have to start out with something. That's like, true like, because crazy. one
1: guy did a TED Talk that got like. Forty million views and it was just about how to not procrastinate and oh it was un- i think emma was talking it was about this. unscientific things that he used and his analogy was a procrastination monster and then you have to like train a procrastin non-procrastination monkey or whatever to fight that monster and i was like this is the dumbest thing i've ever seen uh, is that
0: like meta because
1: it's like no his whole- no it's no not. his
0: whole thing is like he he invented uh pra- procrastination fighting device through procrastinating <laughs> Because he's, like, procrastinating about these, like, ridiculous, absurd ideas of monkeys and monsters no. in order to fight his procrastination, you No, know?
1: it was stupid. It was stupid.
0: Well, anyway, sentimentally, this is one of my favorite movies of all time. Probably solidly in my top 15. Wow.
1: That's high for Ben. Um, I would... I like it. I'd probably watch it again. He'd but probably, I don't know what else to say because I don't want to, like... Say too much because if I say it's too much, it might hurt Ben's feelings, or I might say too much. No, because you should it, hurt my feelings, Zach. Ben, this movie was hard No, I'm just joking. <laughs> no, I did like it honestly, but like, it wasn't like, it wasn't like you know that level for me. It wasn't. It wasn't up there with the greats, the yeah. all-time greats. I don't even know what the greats are for me to be honest, but it wasn't up there. The greats there. are. Uh, I love Saw it. and no, the- I love Searching. That's a good searching. movie. Well, searching's good. Yeah. It's
0: just not not really that as good compared to this movie. Maybe in your opinion. In my opinion. Yeah. So I guess there's different things that make Zach and I tick. You know, different. Come I love mind. different. Yeah. This is
1: kind of different. We
0: That's talked like a different. lot about the message already. So the message is how you don't have control over your life, and if you try to seize control of your life and you think you have a plan, it probably won't work. No,
1: no, not at all. Don't
0: make plans. Like, preparation only goes so far. This like- is uh, sort of part of my life philosophy is if you if you make your plans too specific, you're bound to be disappointed because there's no way they're going to happen. Yeah. You have to have a general plan. Or you, none. You, you can't, well, like, we're <laughs> both in college, so you have to sort of have a general plan of this is what I, where I'm doing with this thing because you're investing money into it. But I think people even get on, on people for, like, they're like, you need to have a plan. You need to know. But they, they can't, you can't know those things. You can't know for sure you're going to pass all your classes. You can't know for sure, you know. People act like you can, but you can't. So uh, anybody who, who has a, a really specific plan for their lives is completely delusional and you need to, you know, rethink all of that. And I just probably called a lot of people delusional. So if you're mad, just email us at themoviebuiltpod at gmail.com. I'm about to email.
1: I was yeah. trying to plan out the next but I'll also say
0: there are there are certain personalities who are more drawn to having plans, and it's not it's not all bad it's it's good for those prepared people to be out there. You just have to be careful how much emotional weight you place into your plans because when your plans don't come to fruition, it'll take more of a toll on you if you have like sort of bound your ambition and your dreams and and your your entire emotional, you know, yeah, there's that. Uh, strength and, on this plan that didn't happen.
1: But, like, if it doesn't come true, which it usually won't if you get super specific, then you're just wasting time by yeah. like, planning it. All the people who are famous and were are
0: successful are like, Yeah, so, I don't know how this happened. I just sort of, like, did what I loved and just sort of happened. You know? You notice how a lot of the people who are, who are famous didn't necessarily... They weren't like I want to be famous. Well, some of them were. They but, were,
1: but like it, it was like because they did something that
0: they but, loved. They but were they, good at it. They focused on doing something that they were good at, bef- like when they weren't popular, you know. And they went through times where they, they nobody wanted to see them and they weren't successful, and then they became successful because they got an opportunity, and then they built on those opportunities. But they couldn't possibly know, you know they couldn't possibly plan out how they were going to get these opportunities and manipulate every situation to work out in their favor. And I'm not even saying that you should want to necessarily be famous. Like that's not necessarily going to be what satisfies you. So, but it's just an example of how pe- there's a lot of people who want, aspire to be like what us. few have like us. Yeah. There's a lot of people who aspire to be famous podcasters, but what are they doing? Not getting the mic out, not turning on audacity not talking not, about not recording a podcast. podcasters yeah the, and then you'll compare yourself to like i'm not as big as joe rogan well guess what we're one day we're only a little bit smaller than joe rogan yeah but like one day but one day we're gonna pass him and people will think that we're crazy right now because, probably
1: tomorrow we don't know because yeah. we don't know tomorrow i
0: mean tomorrow we could all, all of a sudden get like seven million listens yeah or eight yeah it yeah. could happen it is very unlikely. Like, the odds are stacked against us. But we don't know tomorrow. But we don't know tomorrow. Although tomorrow, is, it's kind of shifted to be tomorrow now. So tomorrow is actually uh, a lot longer away. It's past away. midnight. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> um, okay, so the plot of this movie we already went over. We we just have plot because we have to say we have 10 talking points,
1: even though we talk about that talking point earlier in the podcast. So Maybe we should say... That we're gonna start our first talking point now before we do the plot, and then come back to the other nine after the ad. Yeah. All right, that was a little back bookkeeping, housekeeping in the back. We'll definitely, we'll definitely that. remember that next week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> character arcs.
0: I think they did a good job with uh subverting the audience's expectations for Rough the characters. characters. Yeah. Because you're expecting uh the main the main character quote unquote. Llewellyn to like have a a more of a hero's journey or or like he I mean I guess he's not necessarily doing a good thing because he's taking money that's not his
1: it's like national treasure it's fine
0: it's like taking money from other bad people so it doesn't feel like it's as bad or despicable me it's good Uh, but then he just dies so that's not a satisfying end arc and it and then and then there's Woody Harrelson's character who you think is going to come in and save the day and is actually pretty not it's like pretty bad at his job like overall, he's not unsuccessful. Yeah, almost unneeded. Well, yeah, and he's very arrogant at when he at the start, and then that just all sort of fades away. Like he acts like he knows what he's doing, but he really doesn't. So that's that sort of subverts the audience's expectations. And then even Tommy Lee Jones's Ed, Ed Tom Bell character is like, um, he's kind of complacent and he doesn't feel like he can keep up with what's going on. He just keeps telling these random stories and stuff instead of, you know, getting the job done because he doesn't feel like he he can keep up with the, the modern
1: criminal in the way that he used to be able to, apparently. So, I think that this movie is probably more of a thematic movie than a character movie. Yes. And I don't think that. I know that. I was just saying I think because it's a phrase. But, <laughs> this is a factual thing. Yeah. The
0: characters are at the whim of what the theme is trying to get across. And this is important to point out. This is based on a book. So it's written by Cormac McCarthy. Who that I would be a really long read. Know nothing about. But presumably uh, most of the concepts of this were taken from that book.
1: The cinematography, which is the next point, I thought was pretty good. I didn't notice it. No, I did the first shots were he was looking through b- the binoculars at that dead guy yeah those were good and then like the first couple shots like the des- there was a lot of them in the desert i thought that looked good
0: and i think they set they the scenes they they did a good job tension building with um with some of the shots as far as especially like with the door locks and things yet uh, anton sugar had this little like pressure air gun thing that mm-hmm. he would use to like Hit the locks off doors. Genius, and and they were able to use that in a way that built tension by like you know going back and forth between Llewellyn and the door because he knew he sort of knew what was coming or the audience at least sort of knew what was coming, and uh, they also chose. It was interesting what they chose not to show, like they didn't show the death of Llewellyn or Carla Jean, and they didn't show. Uh, there's a few other times that sugar you don't see whether or not he kills the person but he ends up with something like he ends up with the chicken truck without so that that's sort of an interesting thing i don't know whether that really falls into cinematography but it's just an interesting thing i don't know i
1: feel like that's more of a director decision like yeah at least the chicken one i i don't know i think not showing the main character's death subverts just like it's such a surprise because it would build up to his death if there were a death scene you know he would be like approaching him he'd be like no 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 and then he dies but like the fact that they, he just walks the sheriff just walks over and sees him dead is just like oh wait what yeah <laughs> and we don't have to see him die like a baby you know hopefully he's not like
0: screaming and crying and because like, he doesn't act like that the whole movie so we don't want to hopefully that's not what happened but we at least don't have to you know
1: yeah, we don't have to know. He was—he it he wasn't—he wasn't being a baby. He was trying to balance the universe. It was yeah, good, yeah.
0: <laughs> um, as far as originality, it's obviously based on the book, so it's only as original as the book is original. But, so this is a copy. Yeah, yes. and it copied the Dark Knight oh, by no, going origi- into the future. Yeah, in the future they travel, time travel. No, they just read Christopher Nolan's script, which I'm sure was already available. Well, Christopher Nolan probably didn't write the script for the Dark Knight. Whoever wrote the script for the Dark Knight, maybe he did write it. The Dark
1: Knight. comic. Jonathan
0: Nolan probably wrote the script, because didn't does that doesn't Jonathan Nolan do a lot of the screenwriting for Christopher? Nolan? I don't know. I didn't even know he had a brother. <laughs> yeah, he has a brother who's involved in these movies. Yes, but it's not like the Coen brothers. He directs all of it. He what doesn't let James Gunn
1: and do. Sean Gunn.
0: Oh wow! There's a, there's a lot of siblings. Yeah, the Russo it gives brothers. Hope, gives hope for uh, any siblings who are aspiring to be directors or Safdie writers. The brothers. The Safety bro- The Safdie brothers are some of the best. What are the one? The Matrix. Really good with camera angles. The Wachowskis. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of duos. A lot of sibling duos. Huh. But no, that seems to be the exception. I mean, uh, like there's not a lot of team ups outside of siblings. Like sibling, the sibling bond seems to be strong. Like, other than, like, the Daniels. Remember we did Swiss Army Knife and there was two different Daniels?
1: I know in Captain Marvel there were two different directors. Yes, that's true. But I don't remember if they had a relationship or not. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think they
0: were related. But it seems to be the directors who stay together over time. Like, it's not, like, a one-time thing. Like, I think sometimes people team up for directions, like, for a one-time thing. But the the duos that the directing duos that tend to stay together over time are generally siblings. What if
1: they did a Quentin Tarantino, or not Safety brothers, Cohen brothers, and uh, other director that you like? Safdie brothers, (laughs) movie. I don't know that.
0: I don't know whether the what the Cohens do and what Tarantino does are very compatible. but would you watch it? Like Tarantino is thinking about. Like, 1970s, like, very specific, like, either... He's just making so many references, and the Coens are just so focused on, like, the craft and, like, usually some sort of philosophical concept. And I think it could merge. I, I guess it could. It would be... A, the Coen style of comedy and what Tarantino does yeah, Just think seems
1: to be so different, though. Just think, like, you'd have the world-building... And characters of Quentin Tarantino, in the philosophical question, and subverting expectations of the Coen Brothers. That's true. Because the one thing be- we said that was weak about this kind of, which was on purpose, was the characters.
0: Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know whether I would call it weak, but I get what you're saying. I would say weak. Okay, fair. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I don't know that. I mean, they all were portrayed as strong characters. You yeah, know? Like, yeah. In the sense of like, like how they acted in things. But I guess, yeah. The, the no, the acting was great. The intention is not for the characters, I guess, to be the ones that you latch on to to the movie. However, they have more heart to the characters than, say, somebody like Nolan, who tends to write, you math, know, equations. E- write math equations. Although I was thinking about Nolan today <laughs> for some reason, and I think maybe I don't give him enough credit for what he does because he's so popular. But he's also sort of one of the last blockbuster film craftsman who does original ideas so I feel like you have to put some respect on his name for that or or you could go completely you know buy into the Nolan character idea completely and then you become Yorgos Lanthimos who I was talking about with Zach earlier who makes monotone characters who like don't act like humans at all because the world that Yorgos Lanthimos creates is like not supposed to be like real life where I, that's where, like, Noel, Nolan's worlds are obviously not supposed to be, like, real life, but they sort of are. But Lanthamos leans more into, like, we're buying into the idea that none of these things are real. They're, like, sort of dystopian. Like the lobster. Like the lobster or uh, the killing of a sacred deer, which is in sort of the same style of universe as the lobster in some ways. Although you don't see any, like, nobody can be single, like, in the lobster, like, the premise uh, of the lobster.
1: I love that. I wish it would carry over into his other movies just for no reason.
0: <laughs> but uh but but I guess you you get some heart with the characters in in the Coens even with them being sort of tools for the theme of, of the overall theme of the movie. Okay, so we we kind of covered acting with that cuz the acting is yeah. fantastic. And Tommy Lee Jones always great. Um Josh Brolin, I don't know that I I think Josh Brawlin's always great. He was in Hell Caesar too, which is another Coen Brothers movie
1: was pretty good in that yeah and uh and Thanos the yeah oh yeah and the wife was great Carly Carly Ray or Carly Ray Jepsen. Carly Ray King. jepson
0: whoch Carly, <laughs> sh- Carly Ray Jepson's pretty good um and then Javier Bardem as Anton sugar yeah I thought he was pretty good. look cool. at how much how different he looks that his that, haircut in that movie. That, yeah, he said the haircut was brutal. He looked like Ringo Starr. I think this was his breakout role in terms of like a like English speaking audience. Like I think he was in other movies that were I forget what country. I would assume either maybe he's a Spanish actor. Yeah, he's Spanish. So he's from Spain. He's probably He's going to be in the new Dune movie, but then again, who's not going to be in the new Dune mo- the new Dune movie? It feels like everyone's going to be in the new Dune movie.
1: Wait, who's in it?
0: Well, let's find out. Vill- Zendaya, Zendaya might be in it. Um, they have cast, 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 cast. casting. Okay, we got Dave Batista, Stellan Skarsgard, Oscar Isaac, Josh Brolin, <laughs> <laughs> Javier Bardem. So we got two characters: Jason Momoa. No, seriously, there's just like a wide range of people. Timothy Chalamet, obviously. Um,
1: yeah, there's just there's just a ton of people in this in this new dune movie did it even say zendaya right there is zendaya in it oh yeah zendaya right there yep zendaya is in it wow so yeah there's gonna be quite quite uh
0: you know these are people who are in such different movies like stellan skarsgård is in like isn't like he plays stellan skarsgård is honestly one of the most terrifying people like i've watched in a movie like in movies i feel like why i don't know he just He just has this like scary energy behind him. I think I saw him in like the girl with the dragon tattoo and he was like horrifying in that movie. He's in Thor. Yeah. He's not as horrifying in Thor at all, but he's not supposed to be. And Goodwill Hunting. Was he in, um, I feel like he was, maybe that was Kiefer Sutherland who was in Melancholia. No, he was in Melancholia. So yeah, he's, uh. He's in a lot of different movies anyway we got sidetracked um I want to talk about style was good you know it's a western but it's also an interesting Western because
1: it's like in that 70s or 80s I think 70s maybe it, they said 20 something years and it was fifty after 54. I I think maybe I saw somewhere it was that early 80s so but late okay. 70s early 80s is okay. sort of
0: the era I think uh, and I think there's maybe a sign in the movie that, that okay. or something like that that was like a time marker. But uh that that's not the time period you typically think of for a western. But it's like the change from like the mid fifties, sixties, like and then you, you get the the changing tide, so it's supposed to capture some of that change. Which I guess in a way there's always changing tides. It's just, you know, what era you, you come into that the tide is changing.
1: Huh
0: and then the score is non-existent there is literally no music in and this that's whole why movie. it's
1: that's why it's not great for me i gave that a zero out of ten and i just have to comply with that i give a it a out 10. 10 out
0: of 10 because the no score is the best score. no it
1: goes with it well it does i'm just kidding i don't know how you could
0: really score that category so it's good we got rid of the actual scoring yeah. system and as far as choreography, lots of, I think, very gritty, very real, David pointed out he was watching it too, that it seemed very realistic in terms of, like, how the guns affected people and the wounds. Yeah, I how, liked
1: I liked watching uh, the killer. Sugar. Yeah, Sugar. I liked watching Sugar, like, having after he got in his car accident, like, stitch himself up, make his own concoction of hydrogen peroxide, and, like, pouring it on him in the bath, and then... I don't know, and then giving himself like shots, like anesthesia and shots, shots. I don't know. That was yeah. interesting for me. Yeah, overall, I think choreography was. Yeah, that wasn't. I wasn't talking about choreography, but yeah, I well, I, just well, liked, I, I just think like that if you think of general. those
0: sort of things as choreography, yeah, because that's a detail that I don't think they had to have in the movie, but it sort of adds an element of like grittiness and yeah and realism. Like, I guess that that's what sort of you can't say that sugar is like not human because he's clearly experiencing human issues. Like, like he's having to stitch up wounds and stuff. So like, he's not. So that's what sort of makes you think like, he's not just a figment or he's not just an abstraction. He's actually supposed to be a real character in this movie. Although in the way that you're thinking about him, like when you're thinking about the moral of the movie, you think of him more as an agent of chaos. So as far as score, I would give this movie an a plus, because it's one of my favorite movies. I give an A-. minus. An A- minus from Zach. So we get a solid A in terms of,
1: you know. Okay, things. wow, that's a 4.0. Good job. This, is,
0: this would be one of our highest rated movies if we were still doing the number. Maybe. Of, I'd probably give it a 70. <laughs>
1: Zach, Zach would be like, yeah, I really,
0: really, really liked it. 70. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, there's
1: going to be a movie that's going to break through all these, but it just hasn't come yet. Well, that's probably because I'm suggesting all the movies.
0: Like, we need Zach to, like, bring them movie. I just don't table. know.
1: I have no idea. What, Madagascar? Or Madagascar. Kung Fu Panda? I don't know. What am Who I knows? Do?
0: I mean, we don't know what tomorrow will bring, so. Yeah. Tomorrow's movie might be the best movie ever, or it might. Elmo be... Goes to Grouchland. Yeah. That's one of my least favorite movies of all time.
1: Oh, come on. That's a good one. No, it's not great. The plot is great. Elmo goes to Grouchland. <laughs> yeah, so cool. <laughs> um,
0: so then we have Britta Moments. Brita Moments with Britta Berry. So, hmm, plot holes. Um, most of the plot holes revolve
1: around because it's like how can he get to all these places? I was about to say, how does he know like where he is? Yeah. Besides when he not has doesn't have the tracker. Yeah, he, and, and what he the tracker doesn't even really help him that much because
0: I I think you could maybe like point to like things, but they seem like a little bit of a stretch in some places. Like where he's like the one scene is like it's implied that he figures out he's in El Paso because he's trying to figure out where the airport is, like because he knows that he'll try to escape out of the country. So then it's like okay, where's the airport? Uh, although how does he not know that the airport's in El Paso? I guess he has to talk to the the locals. But but he I guess he does things like that. So he's like good he's a good predictor of like, okay, if somebody is he's thinking about if I if that person's in this situation, what would they try to do? And then he bases off of where he goes on on that scenario. But it seems really difficult and he makes it look really easy. <laughs> yeah, I think that they kind of
1: made him a little bit overpowered.
0: Yeah. They definitely gave him more power than you could realistically actually
1: have. I mean but that's, realistically, you could be planning these things way far in advance, but he just met these people, you know? So Yeah. Yeah, he's
0: not the type of psychopath who's, like, pretending to be a different person so that he can manipulate events yeah. to happen in a certain way. He doesn't want to talk to people. And he did just meet these people, so it's just like, he, there's no way he could have done all Honestly, that. Honestly, then he might be more of a sociopath. I don't know.
1: I don't because know. I, thought, I forget the definition. I forget definitions. the difference, though.
0: If you know the difference, we don't care.
1: <laughs> if you, well, if you know the difference, let us know, yeah. please. I'm dying to know. Yes, I but guess so. But don't that. kill us to know if you're one of either. Yeah, don't do, don't do that. Yeah, B- uh, that's bad. Yes, that that's bad. <laughs> According to Ben's standards, that's bad. <laughs> Mind you're allowed to for me. It's okay. <laughs> all right, the stock market.
0: Who would you invest in after this movie?
1: Probably all the actors except for Carly Ray Jepsen. Really, I guess she's probably so. She wasn't that great. She was okay, but yeah, it's probably not
0: gonna get her any big roles beyond what she did. I wonder how he Oh, uh, Don't make me yawn. Um, yeah, Josh Brolin. I I kind of feel like Josh Brolin's an underappreciated actor overall. Like I kind of wish he was in more stuff. Yeah, but. other
1: other things and like superpowered things. Like he'd be a good act, like drama actor.
0: Here's the thing: Zach and I were arguing over whether Josh Brolin was attractive, because I that, said
1: in this movie no.
0: I think he's attractive in this movie. Yes, he's attractive but in general. In general, I I don't know that the people are casting Josh Brolin because he's he's not he's no Brad Pitt. He's no Robert Pattinson. He's not somebody who people are are casting for sex appeal. He's just he's he's a good solid leading man with a like good charisma and personality but i don't feel like that's appreciated enough you know like we need more movies where people are like not a hundred percent attractive on all levels
1: well i'm sorry that ben just offended you josh i think you're beautiful
0: josh if you want to be on the podcast i mean josh brawlin's probably more attractive than me so Uh,
1: yeah maybe i guess people (laughs) haven't seen your face
0: yeah i mean i don't know i mean I'm a lot skinnier than Josh Brolin, so that would automatically... I don't know. Maybe but he's going I'm, for a new ma- role. But maybe I'm taller. I don't know. Maybe I got something on Josh Brolin. Look up Look up how tall he is. How tall is Josh? He's probably like 6'3 or something. Brolin. No, he's only 5'10, so I guess I am taller than Josh Brolin. Oh, he's one inch He looks taller, a man. lot older in this photo. Like, he doesn't look that... I mean, he's 53, I guess, so... He's he doesn't getting, seem like he's it. He's getting up there. I wonder whether he was somebody who was like in things when he was younger. He doesn't. Yeah, he kind of. Look up. That's
1: th- the look that's better. Look up how tall um Robert Downey Jr. is. I don't Just do R. D. J. He... How tall is R. D. J. Um, uh, five nine. Oh, I'm as tall as Iron Man. How tall is Elon Musk? He's probably like six two. That's my guess.
0: I think he's not that tall. He's five ten. What? Yeah.
1: Well, think about this.
0: The average is like for males in the world. I think is like five nine. Yeah, but so, like it like, depends not, on the country, though. It's not terribly common for for people to be above six. I mean, above six <laughs> feet. It's common. Why does but it? It's definitely once you get above six four that's uncommon why does google
1: like, have results for elon musk and it says eye color moss green <laughs> if you look if anyone is listening look up if anyone's listening look up how tall is elon musk and it'll give you the his eye color and it says moss green and you'll be like wow that is, isn't that a weird factoid that i learned that i could tell to my yeah, friends? i can tell everyone elon musk Oh, you know Elon Musk. Yeah, I've heard about him. I hear his eyes are moss green. Yes. Yeah. So I'd probably invest fifty bucks in Josh Brolin.
0: And I'd invest in the Coen Brothers, and you would be, you know, making a smart investment because since then, let's see. I always like to look at filmographies because the Coen Brothers have a quite the filmography. Um, they started with, with Blood Simple, and then they did. Well, they wrote Crown And then they did Raising Arizona, Miller's Crossing, Barton Fink, The Hudsucker Proxy, Fargo, The Big Lebowski, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? The Man Who Wasn't There. Um, I'm trying to think. Some of these they didn't direct, so it's confusing. Intolerable Cruelty, The Lady Killers. Um, some of these, I think these are like weird documentary things. No Country for Old Men, Burn After Reading. Burn After Reading is an underrated one. It has Brad Pitt in it, so go watch that one. That one's good. A Serious Man, which is my second favorite one of theirs. True Grit, which I think was also nominated for Oscars. Um, Gambit? Is, did they? I don't remember this one. Maybe they directed Gambit. I don't know. Inside Lewin Llewell- Lle- Davis. It's not Llewellyn. It's Lewin, I think. And then... They wrote a few other movies, and then *Hail Caesar*, *Ballad of Buster Scruggs*, and then *Tragedy*. I don't know why I went through that whole thing, but you know, watch. They have a lot of movies that pe- you would, people would have heard of, especially like *Fargo*, *The Big Lebowski*, and *Over the Roar*. those kind of movies. So, uh, man, strong filmography from the, and it's very like, there's not a lot of down periods. It's sort of pretty consistent in terms of you know. They don't make very many bad movies. There might be a few in there. But I haven't watched them all, so I couldn't say for sure. So, invest in the Coen brothers always is what I'm saying. Even now? Even now. Even to this day. Although they might not be doing quite as much as they once were. Like, as, as like putting out year after yeah, year. Yeah. Um. So, final conclusions on this movie. Do you think this country <clears throat> right now is for old men? Sure, I think... Do- do you think old men always feel out of like touch with society, and it feels like you start feeling helpless because you can't understand what the younger generations are doing? Well, I hope not. Imagine when we're old and we're still doing this. Yeah. People are like,
1: "Okay, Gen Zer." Well, I was just tell <laughs> Okay, never mind. I I was just telling Ben that one day I'm gonna be retired or whatever if I. Actually, I don't want. Maybe I want, I'm just going to have some free time one day when I'm old and can't do a lot. And I'm going to be listening to these podcasts and just be like, "Wow, that was a that was a chunk of my life." Yeah, this is like a, it's like a time capsule in a way. A little
0: bit. Assuming that we get that old.
1: Yeah, I guess that is. We don't know
0: tomorrow. No, we don't know. So maybe it'll be a time capsule for somebody else or maybe the world won't even be here we don't know we don't know maybe the world isn't even okay we're, we're this is, <laughs> uh let's not get too existential <laughs> and i'm mostly talking to myself yeah Ben. uh i, I always like to to bring we in because we is a much easier word to stomach when you're because trying you're like when you're killer. trying to place the blame on yourself yeah yeah so that's like it's like a thing that like i can tend to do because I'm going to be like, we, so I'm going to bring Zach into it. Even yeah, though bring Zach the guilt upon
1: me, even though I didn't do it, just like the killer in this movie.
0: Exactly. So in some ways, we can relate Anton Sugar's you know, very extreme and dramatic examples to our own lives.
1: Yeah, sure. In smaller okay. ways. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Because
0: we still, you know, we have principles, but we're a lot of times inconsistent on our principles, and we like to blame other people. Um, we like to blame other people, and I like to blame other people. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Okay. Did you even mean to do that? No, it's no, it's really, it's really a habit. Like I'm trying, I'm trying
1: to like work on
0: it. Yeah, we are trying to work on it. Maybe we should have, maybe we should have a segment called "I'm trying to work on this," and we should talk about something that we're trying to work on. I don't know. Maybe we shouldn't do that.
1: <laughs> yeah, we both need to work on that we say something that the other person should work on (laughs) (laughs) no we say the worst qualities about each other Ben you're just horrible okay I'll try to work on that (laughs) alright we are just gonna work on that yeah we're gonna
0: work on that together yeah we (laughs) okay I don't know what the next movie is gonna be um because usually there's not really a good uh like
1: we just like to say we just don't know what the next movie is yeah just, let's just, just be honest. Something that we like. it's actually on the list like we have a list that we're following and it says don't
0: this movie wasn't on the list I just pulled pulled an audible and was like we should review this movie because yeah. I felt like it but we'll try to maybe we'll go back to the list next week then yeah um but anyway I think it's I think uh it's probably time to close the vault after we plug our socials at the movie vault pod on Instagram, at Movie Vault Pod on Twitter, themoviewallpod at gmail.com if you would like to talk to us about anything. And then, yeah, it's time to close
1: the vault. All right, I'll do it. Um. Bum, 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 bum.